Hello there. Thanks for watching or listening to VIP, VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. We're on episode 147. Thanks for watching on YouTube, listening on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, tonight's guest, one of our more regular ones, college and knowledge on boxing, always say, takes no prisoners when you get speaking to him. He's not scared of having his say to people, to their faces. I've seen it before. Manager, promoter, trainer, matchmaker, ex-boxer, John Pegg. How are you, John? Yeah, not too bad. Has got, anyone had the facts got, of life today off you? I don't know. We got us in a lot of trouble last time I was on here. Then I thought yeah. I'd be a bit more careful. <laughs> Behave today. yourself. We don't want people after you, mate. But no, um, if you well, we won't go into what happened last time. But as I said, John isn't scared of. He's got something to say. He says it whether you're in front of him or not. Even if you're his best mate, he'd say it. But um, by Monday, I'll probably be making an apology to someone or other. But <laughs> who cares, I? We've <laughs> gone through these topics tonight, John, and even you can't lose it tonight. I mean, maybe one you might disagree with, the WBC and we come to them, but best behaviour, John, we don't want you having to go and kiss Mr. Mauricio Solomon's ring. I've had a fight with the dad before, <laughs> so we don't want any more trouble with, with, with that, people. Be, kissing Mauricio Solomon's ring would be after nine o'clock, wouldn't it? We'd have to delay <laughs> yeah. the... Uh... He actually really looked after me before, so i got to give him his props. He, um, he stepped in when they were trying a real sneaky move on Craig Cunningham, and they was basically just bullying us and not letting us get away with anything. And somehow he got CC'd in, and for no reason other than we was right, he waded in and went, no, this ain't right, I'm not allowing this to happen. And he stopped Craig Cunningham from being stripped. So I can't moan too much about Mauricio nah. because he did come in when he didn't have to and, and got stuck in. So I've always thought he's okay. Yeah, so Woody, don't even have to listen to the rest of the pod tonight. John's on best behaviour. <laughs> We're going to start um, with our first subject. It's uh, one of Mr. Evans here. I know it's a fight everyone's looking forward to. They've had the, their press tours this week, got quite nasty. Taylor versus Adderall. Over to you to start in three minutes, John Evans. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm happy about it. I think most people can't wait for it because it's the type of fight we need in Britain at the moment because we're not getting too many big fights. They're all going abroad. But I was more interested in the reaction from... I don't know what boxing fans want. They're never happy. And I've, I've probably seen a, a pretty good percentage and sizable proportion of the fans that are online saying, oh, I'm not really interested now. What does it matter? You know, they've both passed the best. The first fight wasn't great. What more do British boxing fans want? I, I don't think it gets much better than this one. Like, the two of our legitimate world-class fighters, we don't get on. I thought the first fight was good. Um, the build-up's going to get more and more as the fight draws near. Um, I, I just think it's a really good fight between two good fighters who don't get on, and I'm not sure what more British fight fans want, really. John? Um, do you know what? They want to moan, don't they? That, that's all they want to do half the time. They just want to moan. But no, it's a good fight. Um... You know what I honestly think might happen? Do you remember when Lennox Lewis got the really bad decision against Holyfield in the first fight? Yeah. And then the second fight, it was actually closer, but they yeah, made sure Lewis yeah. got the decision. I think the second fight could be close, but closer than the first one. Or And Capture will get it purely because people are, are feeling like he was so hard done by. i got a feeling that might happen. If it doesn't, then just delete this and pretend it, I never said that. No, I love the fight. I didn't think the first fight was the worst fight by any any stretch. I just think, you know what? I just think Catrell might be the wrong type of opponent. It'd it make, it make anyone look bad. I think Catrell can. 
the way he fights. But um, the first press conference in Glasgow was pretty nasty, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, but, but, you know, Jack, you'll both know him well. He's so cool and calm, isn't he? Nothing phases Jack. You know, because it's it, the build-up is going to get built built up and up. They're going to have to do 100 head-to-heads, 100 table talks and all this carry on now. Jack will just be Jack. Jack won't get thrown off his game plan. If it involves boring people and negating Josh, Jack will happily do it, won't he? Jack yeah. will do what it takes to win and won't get thrown off his game plan. Yeah. I just wish they'd both been more active since the first fight. I think it's two years in the making. Jack's had a couple marking time. Well, Dara Foley and then the you know the last pieces that were left on Jorge Linares' carcass, you know, and Josh Taylor lost on points to Sofia Fomi Lopez. But yeah, great fun. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the pod um, plenty over the next couple of months until, until they, they fight in Leeds. Um, How did you think the first one went, John? Uh, yeah, I thought Capital won it. I thought I thought Capital won it. I couldn't see how he didn't win it. And as boxing does, it gives itself a bit of a black eye. But um, I think the second one will actually be a bit closer because, I don't know, perhaps he'll be a bit more switched on. Um, and But I think Capital will get it because people will be like, we can't rob him again. Like I say, a bit like Holyfield Lewis, people forget the second one was really mm. close. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. Lewis got the decision where he didn't in the first, where he won that one quite comfortable. But I hope Jack gets it because he did deserve the first one. And he's paid his dues. Yeah. Right, round two. I tell you, I want to get John on this. About, oh, just think this. How far, you know, you get people saying, oh, he swallowed it, he did this to that. But I think how far do you expect a boxer to go in a hard, hard fight? I was at Steve Wood's show Saturday night. I made quite a few of the fights on there, apart from the main event. Um, Jake Barton, Leon Williams. Um, Williams won on 10 rounds on points. But what Barton went through to, to to get to that distance, to see the distance drop heavily twice in the fourth round, should have been stopped and fought, you know, not fought his way back because that not the, they were close rounds, but still stayed in contention, just got dropped in, in the eighth round again heavily. There was never any chance of winning him. He, man, he was still fighting, trying to fight back at the final bell. And people going about fighters going, you know, not going to the world too often. You know, do we do we over do we expect fighters to go too far in a fight sometimes? Because that that to me was dangerous stuff the other night. What he went through. I mean, what, what do you? How do you? How do you think a fighter needs to go, John? I, I honestly believe that a fighter goes as far as they choose to. They're in there. They know what they're going through. If a fighter feels the need to get himself out, nobody can knock him. He gets himself out. If a fighter wants to go to the well. Then you encourage him, you help him, you get him through, and you admire him for it. The only thing I will say, any fighter who wants to get himself out of a dangerous fight, any fighter who wants to retire with an injury, no problem whatsoever. But you better make sure that you haven't mocked another fighter for doing the exact same thing. If you've gone online and says, oh, he quit with a bad eye, or he swallowed and stayed on one knee from a body shot, or he stayed in the corner... You better make sure that you don't ever have to be in that position. You know, if you haven't, then if I took... Sorry, guys, just the yeah. phone rung. If you haven't, then, then you know, any time a fighter needs to get out, let him get out. Yeah. But, you, you know, he, he, sorry, mate, the phone went again. But, yeah, yeah if the only thing I will say, if you're going to get yourself out of a fight or if you're going to retire in a corner, 
make sure you haven't really mocked someone for doing the same thing because you end up with a lot of egg on your face. You know what I mean? John, have you watched the fight, John? The, the worrying one, yeah, it's a brutal fight, wasn't it? And he did well. I haven't well. seen it yet. The brutal ones I've seen, the worst one I've ever seen was Daryl Sharp fighting um, a cruiserweight on a Pat Barrett show, Artem Kasparian. Oh, and yeah, it was, yeah. It was horrendous, you know. And Daryl had fights but later on for that and he willed himself through that. And he was just purely doing it for the money the next week. And sometimes you think, you know, I, I admire what you're doing, Daryl. You know, I know you, I can appreciate you need the money. But sometimes someone's got to look out for him and maybe he pushed himself a bit too far. But yeah, like John says, if if we do, it's up to a fighter, isn't it? They're the one yeah. in the ring. He can kneel down at any point. I just thought that was just incredible the other night for a sanctuary. You know, given yeah. that he was also knocked out by one by one punch in the by the guy in the first fight. But as well, what he showed the other night, Jake Barton was another level. And you, you whatever, no adjective to can describe how brave he was in there. Um, yeah. Right, round three, someone at a level they would all love to be at, AJ. John John Pegg, tell us where you think AJ's at right now. Do you know what? I think AJ's at a good place mentally. I think he's kind of matured. I think he's got a little bit more cynical, so he's not quite trying to put across this public persona of, of like being quite so lovely, which I think works because I don't think anyone really believed that AJ was as, as like quite as amiable as he was. It didn't suit him. The thing is, I've been around him rarely, and AJ really is quite a nice guy, but he doesn't have to put across this cuddly, cuddly kind of, I'm the public's best friend. I think it suits him better to be himself a little bit, but I think he's confident. I think he's realised a loss isn't the end of the world, and he's come to terms with that and thought, well, the worst thing's happened. I've had a couple of losses, and the world hasn't finished. I'm still here. And I think that might have made him a bit more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think he deserves what he's getting. He's he's having. He seems to be back on form. I like him, and I hope he does well. He's took the fights that other people haven't. Yeah, and he's got on with it. So I think um, he's in a good place. And you know what I'm loving about him at the moment? He's active, and I think that's helped him get in this place. Everyone's arguing, you know, hardly fighting. He had three fights last year. There's not been a busier top heavyweight in the world. Who was the last? When was the last time a top heavyweight was fighting three times a year? Yeah, yeah, he's got better and better with every outing as well, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, when he went to Ben, I would, I, I was a little bit worried for Joshua because it, it's opinions, but it's a widely held opinion, so he's probably some truth in it. Where he was overthinking everything and trying to be something he wasn't, and and Ben and Lee are very technical, aren't they? They go over video with a fine tooth comb and look for tiny little uh, gains they can make. But I was listening to an interview with, with Ben and he said, all we've done is remind him what he's good at, remind him what will work against this opponent and just drill it and let him get on with it. And by simplifying it, like John says, he looks happy, he looks confident, he looks like he's remembered what he can do. And it's the best we've seen him for a while, isn't it? I, I, I think he's looking really good at the moment. And you know but, what? He doesn't need to kind of like be too personality kind of like orientated because he is genuinely a nice guy when you're around him. He, he like he is good to the fans, but I think sometimes the media training had pushed him too far yeah. and even keeping that up was affecting him. Yeah. Now he can kind of be himself. It, it's kind of suits him, I think. Yeah, He's made his money, hasn't he? He doesn't have to appeal to advertisers or anything. He can, <laughs> he can literally be himself. Round four, John Evans, and you want to talk about 
does top billing matter? What 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 show are you referring to or shows? A little storm sort of brewing that something might come up uh, by the time this goes to air. Where um, Zelfa Barrett and Jordan Gill, and it's billed as Gill versus Barrett. Um, Now it's made a a couple of little waves where Zelfa's not particularly happy. You know, it's in his hometown. He thinks he's competed at the higher level. It should be Barrett versus Gill, and I'm walking second no matter what. And all the little to and fro we get in boxing. But I was just wondering, does it actually matter? You know, how much weight do you put to it? it actually, is it a, a nice little thing where you can really get your teeth into it and they I'll prove you wrong? Um, and what other, like, little things have you had in the build-up to fights, John? You know, what little ridiculous demands have you had? And has anything ever no, made it, to your it fights? It can matter. It can matter. But some people, it don't matter. Um, some people, you can do whatever you want. Don't bother them. But where this, like, and I've actually seen it quite recently, where when Sam Eggington was fighting Joe Pickford, they yeah. really wanted us there down in Bournemouth. So I turned around and I was playing them games. I said, we walked second and we're on the, the left side. And they were that desperate to get us in thinking it'd be an easy job. They agreed to all that. So then at the press conference, I noticed that Joe stood on the home side. So I just stood up, I waved to Ben Shalom. And I, cause I actually said, I said, cause you know, I knew them sometimes people get affected. I said, if that happens and you don't stick to what you said, I'm getting on the train and we're going home and you know that we will. So fair play. Ben looked and he kind of moved Joe over to the, the right-hand side and it visibly affected him. It, yeah. it, you could see it bothered him. And Sam just come out. Sam don't care where he stands. Sam would have stood in the sea on the <laughs> beach. You know what I mean? But I knew that because he'd always been in that side. and it, So I just made sure it happened and walking out second... You could just see the nerves kind of get into him and you could see that, hold on, I'm the home guy. I ain't used to this happening. So sometimes it actually does give you a little bit of help. Other times it means jack shit. But yeah. there are times that it does make a difference and that's one of the more recent ones that I know of, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? That's a great example of someone, especially if the fighter's a little bit, maybe not mentally as strong as he might want people to think he is and suddenly get me oh, on the away fighter. You're two days far out from a fight like you would have been. He's doing weight and he's got more stuff going into his mind. So that's why you're a college of knowledge, John. But you know what, John Evans, I'm surprised at Zelfa, because he's such a relaxed sort of character to get a little bit disappointed with it. He's usually shrugs me his shoulders and just gets on with it. I'm surprised at Zelfa. He is, but yeah, I think he's got the bit between his teeth for this fight. You know, from from I was talking to him on Saturday, he really seems bang up for it. Um, and it, I read it more as like another little bit of motivation for him. You know, I don't, and you, ne- you never know what demands are being made. You never know, Zelfa do you? Zelfa might have just gone, you know what? You've had everything your own way. You're not yeah. having this as well. It yeah. might be his line in the sand where he says, hold on, no, no, you've yeah. had everything. You're not having this. So who knows what goes on behind the scenes and what the motivation is sometimes. Yeah, dead right time there. Right, round five here. So John's not going to lo- lose it at all because he, him and Mauricio, they have nice. share a taco together or whatever, <laughs> a fajita at conventions. I'll tell you what I can't believe, though. The WBC wanting as many as six judges for Fury Usyk. I mean, what is that going to do? It's just going to cause more chaos, isn't it? It's bad enough. That's what they want. Judges. They want chaos. They want chaos and then they want a rematch because of the chaos. Yeah. They double the money. I just don't see what six judges do. The one thing I did agree with him, 
this sort of VAR into boxing. I think that that would always work in boxing, especially for head clashes and that sort of stuff. If we could get a quick, if we could get the, um, you know, what happened quickly, I thought that that would be brilliant. But six judges for a fight is just lunacy. It's just going to add to the controversy, isn't it? Where does it end up? Yeah. 20 judges. Yeah, just, I just, what, John Evans, what do you think? Outrageous. The biggest fight we've had for 25 years, first undisputed heavyweight title, and he wants to change the rules before it. Can you imagine the announcer trying to work out what was a split decision, what's a majority decision, how many cards make a draw? The confusion that will come into that is just we, we, will it be like ice skating where we get rid of a widey score and get rid of a closest score and use the, the ones in the middle? Oh, forget it. Let's have John, three good judges who do the job properly and get a proper result. John, I don't, I don't watch ice skating. <laughs> Is there three good judges? Will we, will, will we be able to find three yeah. good judges? <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't get it at all. I mean, I, I don't know why. You know, it's almost as if, look, you know, the WBC great, but all fighters want to win it. It's almost as if some of the stuff Mauricio comes out with, he wants to court some sort of attention. It's, it's yeah, just he crazy. wants to be first, doesn't he? Yeah. Like with the new towel with stuff on it and stuff like that. Perhaps he's going to do two refs next, the ref for each boxer. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> hey, John, what, what do you think of VAR in boxing? I was talking about it at weekend. I can understand it for fight-ending incidents. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. That's what it's got to be. You know, I don't think we can look at a, not a potential knockdown on VAR because if it is a knockdown, the guy gets extra time to recover. And it, it'd screw up the whole like flow of a fight, but for fight ending things, I'd possibly a, a way for it. It seemed as it were. I, I'm not a football fan, but it, it seems to have worked for football, don't it? So well, it slows it down. Well, cricket has worked brilliantly. Cricket, yeah. So as long as it's used in the right situations, too right because we've seen too many people's careers go totally wrong with yeah. something that when it's looked back at, I mean. Would Bradley Skeet be retired and would Hamza Shiraz be unbeaten if there was VAR? Yeah. You know, there's I, just one example. I, I'm, I'm for it in fight-ending situations, cuts. I'm all for it. Yeah. All for the it. Cuts and like, uh, like Usyk Dubois was a perfect yeah. example. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it did. Well, it result, would because it was especially, too... Especially look how much money's at stake in these fights. And, you know, as you say... The fight you mentioned, well, you know, Bradley Skeet wouldn't have retired. He would have gone on to a bigger payday, wouldn't he? Hamza would have had to rebuild. And Mayweller well still got where he is today, you know, with, with rave reviews. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, right. a disqualification loss didn't, didn't hurt Roy Jones, did it? Of course and it did that's didn't. what it would have been, you know what I mean? Yeah, the Montel Griffin, wasn't it? And then he did him yeah, in the rematch. Yeah. yeah, in about a minute. <laughs> yeah. Round six. John, this is a good one for you. The state of the sport, where you see it now. You know, at all levels. You you work at it at the heart, the very top level. You know, TV shows, and you do you know small shows yourself. Where do you see it right now, the sport? Do you know what? It's a real contradiction because, like, we've got more professionals and more promoters in Britain than there's ever been, including all the golden ages and stuff like that. But it seems harder for fighters to be able to get a fight. It seems harder to be able to put on good entertaining fights in Britain. And then you've got the Saudi situation where the top level of boxers are making more money than they've ever made, but it's affecting the top level of boxing over here and maybe in some other places. Boxing could be in a position where it's going to be rebuilt in a different kind of format. Like, not format, you know, like the UFC took MMA and turned it into a brand. Could the Saudis 
be looking to turn boxing into their brand and what will it leave for us and and with all the like you know the stuff that's going on with promoters and fees going up is grassroots boxing going to die and people think that the big time boxing is what counts in Britain and it does but without the grassroots grassroots boxing people seem very short sighted they don't realize the big stuff is so big because we've got such a strong lower level the other countries where there's not a lot of big stuff going on they haven't got much of a lower level so yeah. it's at one point it's in one hand it's its strongest ever and so much is going on and then in the other hand it's kind of teetering on a cliff top and might get pushed over what do you guys think? You know what? I'll go. I'll, I'll mainly operate at grassroots nowadays, John, with these smaller shows and stuff. Obviously, I'm working with Izzy, who's, who's you know, who's very ambitious, and I, who you're working closely with, particularly on the Coventry shows, where your ticket sellers stacking. I think you got seven on that bill on March nine. Eight you? now with Niall Berry. Oh, Niall, Niall Berry's gone on. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise till today. Yeah. Um, when Al was saying to me, he knew he was thinking of going. I mean, incredible that. Uh, and it's good to see Niall Berry getting an opportunity. But I've been to three shows I've worked this year. I was at Izzy's last week in Sheffield, and that was absolutely banged out. I think it was 1,800 packed in there, and it was a genuine sellout. Um, I went to, on the next night, I was working um, Josh Wow's show. It was, you know, pretty much full at Barnsley Metrodome. And I went, and I was so pleasantly surprised, and you'll be shocked at this one, both of you. I went to Woody. I was at Woody's show in Liverpool, the VIP show, Saturday night, and it was absolutely rammed in there. They There's all people... snuck in. Uh, no, this was genuine. They couldn't get enough seats ringside from it. It was all upstairs. It was, all... it was incredible for a Liverpool show. And I just think I see that at grassroots. It just shows that people still want, want to go to boxing at that level. I've been really encouraged by it this year. The, big, the biggest concern is one you touched on, John Pegg and John Evans has brought up before these fight these good Saturday night fights we're losing to Saudi Arabia that are going down the bill there that's a big concern for me yeah John yeah you're right that's exactly what I worry about but the quality of the Saturday night shows will be diminished because we're getting fights like Gwyn and Chamberlain taking place in Saudi Arabia which should be a headliner over here in the UK and it almost becomes like a a league league ladder system almost where you start on the small holes, you get to television shows. And if you win big on a television show, that qualifies you to fight for Saudi. That'd be, that'd be disastrous. Cause I think we need a, we need a regular supply of big, meaningful mm -hmm. fights. Like look at the reaction we had for Boazzi Aziz, Taylor Catterall, um, Jonas Meyer, you know, the popular aren't they were successful. And if those gravitate over to the Middle East. Would Ricky Atten have took 20,000 to Vegas? If he'd no, have been in Saudi Arabia from his 25 onwards? Definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. The, the Ricky Atten thing was phenomenal. And that old Vegas thing, the right time of year, no football. You know, it, it was football, wasn't it, that time of year? But, but he, he, he was allowed to build up at home, wasn't it? He built up at home and he built up slowly at home and it was just mad. I mean, even remembering when he fought, who was it he fought in July? Really hot in Vegas. The guy he did with a body shot, Castillo. Oh, it was still like 9,000 there. Any of the stadium fights going to happen over here now, but anything that's big enough to be a stadium fight, will it be in Saudi for double the yeah. money? Well, it's going will to be the a... fighters start holding off from signing for these fights until it's in Saudi? And then yeah. will they only fight once a year because they're getting paid so much money? Oh, without a doubt. We've, we've, we've seen that on a smaller scale from what they're earning in Saudi. When PBC come in, you know, there's guys like Keith Thurman, who was a 
PBC pin-up boy at the time. Yeah. You know, they, they was earning phenomenal money and fighting once every 18 months. Gary Russell, God, yeah. he was even more inactive. And now you've got people like Thurman at the end of their career moaning they could have done more. Yeah. Will, will some fighters jack it early and pack it in because they've had one or two good paydays in Saudi and they don't want to come back to smaller arena shows in UK in a hard fight? So there's all sorts of problems it can throw up. I know, Steve, you think, oh, good for the lads, make as much money as they can. But the problems yeah. it would cause coming down to the actual sport as a whole, it, we'll have to wait and see. John, final word to you, John Pegg, who's been on best behaviour um, tonight. Yeah. No, do you know what? I think boxing's in a healthy position, but it's also in a dangerous position. I think it's in a really healthy position, but there's things that could go on that could really cause some big problems and just a little bit worrying. Hopefully it turns out the right way till we survive, but there's just things I see at the top and at the bottom that could cause big problems for boxing. And I don't like to see it because a lot of the things are just so easily avoided, but they aren't always avoided, are they? John, final word with you as always. Mr. Pegg, thanks for coming on tonight. John Evans, thanks as always. Thanks everyone who's watching and listening. It's always a good half hour with John Pegg in, in the hot seat. What a star he is. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.